That's your t-shirt now, don't I? This is the Black Rifle Coffee Podcast. You ready to you ready to go, Pat? You ready? So we, we make him do a movie count-in because I think it's hilarious. Okay, yeah, good. <laughs> Give it to us. Give me the energy today. Alright, we're on a five, four, three. <laughs> It never gets old. No, it never gets old. I like that. I'm going to start. It's a Patrick countdown or whatever it is. I don't know. All right. Well, we have an amazing guest, a special guest today, Mr. Cameron Haynes. How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. I don't know about amazing, but I am a guest and I'm glad to be here. You are a human with a beard and tattoos. So oh, you, I guess well, I am amazing. Yeah. You are amazing. Yeah. That's, that's, that's Fit right in around these parts. That's yeah. for sure. No, it's, it's great to be here. I mean, you got the Black Rifle is a movement. And uh, to be here and be on your podcast, feels special. I, I I always Wikipedia people just to see what comes up first. And I realized today, and another reason why you're amazing, is we have the same exact birthday. Really? Years October are a little 2nd. different, but October 2nd. <laughs> Humble yeah. Matt, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I am. I am 13 years older than you. Um, I was like, look at that. No, no wonder, you know? Well, I have, I have a story to tell. Um, when my son, he was getting out of uh, basic or no, he was at, oh no, he just graduated RASP, I think is what it was. And you talked to him and yeah. like, as like a, a famous ranger, that was a big deal. He's like, I can't believe I talked to Matt Best. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I, you didn't have to do that. You, I think you texted me or messaged me and wanted to ask if you could call him and it, I'll never forget it. And he won't forget it either. But to me that, you know, as, as your son or your kids, you have, you know, you want them to succeed. And that moment is something that I'll, I'll always remember. Thank you. Oh, well, no problem. I, I enjoy it. It's interesting because there's throughout the years, I've talked to, you know, friends and, and people that have wanted to join the military. And, you know, all of us here at the table uh, are military guys. And just speaking in your son's tone and obviously you raising him, I'm like, I didn't want to like give him false confidence, but I knew he was going to pass. It's like, of course, he's going to be a good ranger just because the product of your raising. Anybody that follows you on social media, you you see that you put hard work in and you take the the hard right over the easy left. And that mentality translates so perfectly into the special operations capacity because that's what you have to do. You're just, you're uncomfortable all the time. So right. I was like, man, he's going to, I'm sure he's living the, the best life as a ranger right now or wherever he is and having a great time. But pretty cool that, were you nervous when he was like, let me go into the craziest like infantry unit in the army? Yeah, that was, you know, I kind of was reflecting back on how I raised my boys and my daughter too, because I thought, I was thinking to myself, I was wondering if I pushed him too hard because I had this moment where he was a deputy back home. He'd, you know, worked at Cabela's, done all this. Then he was a deputy and he'd been a deputy for a couple of years. And he tells me he wants to, quit that job, which I thought was like a career job and a very important job for the community. Very proud of him. And he said he wanted to join the army. And I was just like, then I was going back on my head thinking, did I make them feel like just having a good job wasn't enough? Did I, cause I would say, yeah. I'd say we don't want to be average. Average is a failure. And then I was like, why did I say that? You know, <laughs> like, There's nothing wrong. If somebody is happy and content serving their community as a, say, a, a deputy, that's great. We, we yeah, need awesome. that. And I was wondering if I had said something or many things over the years that made him feel like that wasn't enough. And he just said, he's like, no, he's, he goes, he goes, dad, I got more to offer this, this world. And, uh, how did that make you feel? It was rough because I was thinking, you know, what if, I don't know, you never know what's going to happen. So yeah. I was nervous. He wanted, he went into, 
the army, you know, of course they make all these promises, like they offered them a, a green break contract and all this. And, you know, most people don't make that. So then they're stuck to whatever contract they signed to well, get yeah, that. To that exact point, not a lot of people know, but the best army recruiting tool ever is the 18 X-ray and 11 X-ray contract oh, option yeah. 40B Ranger. Because when you look at the class, and I'm sure um, if you went down, to you see your son graduate RASP? Yeah. You can look sometimes and see what they used to call, I'm an old guy, so, but like wor- uh, worldwide, and you see how many people fall out. And if you quit or fall out of the selection process, you go to something called needs of the army, which means right. yeah. you're getting <laughs> fucked. Yeah. You're going like to the worst duty stations ever. I mean, I've ever... Korea? That, yeah, dude. That, well, worse than that. Yeah. But that alone, I know, is a motivating factor for me because I'd be like, wait, where did you get orders to? And they're like, Fort Polk? I guess they reassigned me <laughs> as like a, like a, you know, oil specialist. I'm like, what is that even? No, like, no, thank you. So I'm sure, I'm not sure if you saw that, but the the attrition rate in the selections can be pretty drastic. Yeah. So I always, I mean, they, there's all these promises and yes, it'd be great if you made this selection or a green beret. Yeah. I mean, but that's very difficult. Chance, odds are you won't, even for him who I, you know, I pushed a lot growing up. But, um, so then I was nervous. I wanted him to be successful. He went in and he actually went, Rass was, he, was fine with it. Yeah. He, he didn't think it was, maybe it was, like you said, you were confident. I think that kind of came to fruition. He, he did well. His life had prepared him for that. And he, he's a good ranger. So, I mean, but yes, I was very, he would give the updates or even going through when he went through ranger school, I was still nervous with that too. After each phase, he'd call me and, and, uh, you know, as, as a parent, God, you want your kids to succeed so bad that, you know, you're like, even if the toughest guy is still kind of, waiting on the whims and just just hopeful that it works out. I should, I should have called you on the ranger school thing because the scariest part about going to ranger school from a battalion aspect is if you fail, you get kicked out of regiment. And so pretty much no one like fails. Like, cause there's, right. quitting is not an option because you lose your career. Right. So, yeah. So Cam, now looking back at it, do you regret anything that you told him growing up? Cause it, I mean, it, everything you've taught him led him to that moment. Do you feel like you're like, not that you, you mentioned that, you feel like you were too hard on him. Mm-hmm. Looking back now, do you take back anything you ever said? Um, I mean, both the boys. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's true. It's just like you, and you think about those things. Um, you know, like on a run, or you're in the mountains by yourself, and you're just like, then you like are going through your whole life and everything you ever said. And there was some challenges growing up. You know, when you push your kids, like I've pushed my kids, my boys. And it wasn't that I ever want, I said, you're going to be the best in the world. No question. I just would say, you know, I want you to give your best and we need to stand out and you have, you have the ability to do great things. Kids, they don't, they're like, I don't really want to do work my ass off today. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And so we had a lot of battles during his basketball games and things like that. Um, where I was like, why didn't you jump on that ball? You know, this whole thing. It's like, but right now, um, you know, you kind of live with the decisions you make. I've made a lot of mistakes, said a lot of things, but I, I'm very proud of what he's my oldest son, what he's doing as a ranger Then my middle son, um, super successful and they don't hate me. So that's a good, that's a good win. <laughs> my daughter's still talking, she's 18. So, so I never talked, I, I didn't push her like I did the boys, but she's more of an academic. And uh, I, I, you know, just want her to, to be happy and be successful. And so all the kids are good. I mean, it's a long, long answer, but uh, you guys kind of live with the mistakes you make. And right now I feel like it's worked out okay. So you said something that was hyper compelling in there for me was 
when you said you're out in the mountains or on these long runs, you have a lot of time to think about things. I found it very interesting. Um, Logan and I and Evan, we went to Alaska and you know, you have about there just shy of three weeks and you have no cell service. And there's a lot of loneliness and a lot of time to your own thoughts. And I forgot what that felt like. Right. And like, do you think that that's a large factor of why you, you are this in like athlete and you're always out? Does, does, does moments of um, solidarity kind of motivate you? Cause you have time to reflect, time to work through emotion and all these things that, you know, we can't keep these darn fucking devices yeah. out of her face consistently. I mean, yeah. it seems like that's given, given you like a pretty epic perspective on life, just having the, the opportunity to think about it so much. Yeah. I think that. I mean, you, you mentioned being by yourself. You forgot what that's like. I wrote, my first book was called, or my second book was called Backcountry Bowhunting. And in that book, I talked about fear. Nobody wants to talk about fear, but when you're by yourself in the mounds and you do have all that time, I wrote in that book, I said, a lot of times people learn by, when they're by themselves for extended period, they learn who they really are. And a lot of guys don't like that person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're like, yeah. okay, well, this was terrible. I never want to be alone in my thoughts. Because you're so vulnerable by yourself. You can, you can create issues. Yeah. Like I've taken guys back there and they for sure thought their, their girlfriend or wife was screwing around. You know, it's like, because you have, you make these problems in your head, your mind. Yeah. And then, so that they want to leave the hunt. But I think to answer your question, Matt, um, I think a lot, of, as I talk about in the book, a lot of my childhood kind of prepared me. I was by myself a lot because of, you know, divorced parents and this or that. And so I learned I learned how to to do it by myself, how to navigate through life by myself, how to um, talk myself, push myself, I guess. And now it's paid off, you know, and, and it's, uh, it's not something everybody's good at. Some people don't like that time, so much time alone. It's, a, yeah. it's one of the hardest things there is to do because as you mentioned, the distractions and we're just never alone in our thoughts anymore. Ever. No. You don't have the yeah. time to endure. Shameless plug for your book. It's available <laughs> right now. But hey, how about Cole Kramer, right? That was that. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, yeah. You know Cole well. I do. Dude, I love okay. Cole. I always have to tell this about Cole. So if you can help keep up with this, we call him Skittles. Yeah. He's, he's a weird dude. Yeah. Because I love him to death, by the way. Cole's one, an amazing, amazing human. One of the best guides in the world. We go in our bear hunt. It's like day two. And he's like, you guys want some trail mix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I put this handful of trail mix in my mouth. I, I would expect that the colored little things are fucking M&Ms. He put Skittles in there. And I'm going <laughs> to chip my tooth. And all of a sudden, like, you mix? Yeah, and I'm like, you put Skittles in trail mix? Yeah. Like, M&Ms, I don't know. Bro. I just put them in yeah. there. And so like the whole oh. rest of the trip, we're like, Skittles. Yeah. Come on, and Skittles. So. He always does it really early in the morning, too, when all the Skittles are freezing cold. Oh, yeah. So like, yeah. there's, there's a little hard. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, underrated candy. I mean, Skittles are good. Skittles are delicious. Yeah. I just don't know if they pair well mix, with, yeah. with right. Yeah. <laughs> I expect an M M&M and M in there when you eat an yeah. trail mix. No. It's like kind of like yeah. ice cream on a steak. Yeah. Both individually are great things. They just yeah. don't pair that well. See, I didn't get to experience the hunt with Kramer. I was supposed to go, and then what happened? It froze or something. We couldn't go. Yeah, uh, you were gonna go do the the float trip up in Alaska last yeah. year, and it like completely froze over. So you kind of like do the everything on a rafts and you float down this yeah. bank and everything like super cool trip. And yeah, it was just like, they couldn't get out. They, they got stuck in there. Like <laughs> yeah. Trevor had to like go fly in to like help him like figure everything out to get it out of there. Cause it was so nasty with the weather and everything. But that we hunted Kodiak a lot. Were you guys on Kodiak? Right? Oh, we were on the peninsula. Oh, the peninsula. Okay. 
Um, we used to go and hunt the Sitka blacktail during the rut. And uh, that's what get, we were going to do. You get okay, so you yeah. get flown in there, <laughs> yeah, and you are on a raft. But my buddy Roy, who got me started bow hunting, he was with Dwight Shue, another bow hunting hero of mine. He was the editor of Bow Hunter Magazine for many years. Anyway, they did this this hunt on Sitka on uh, for Sitka on Kodiak late late October, early November. The river froze up. They were stuck for twenty one days. Oh man. 21 That's days. a long time, man. Yeah, Damn. just in a tent. And they had, the pilot had to come over. I remember Roy told the story. Pilot came over, dropped food. And they're all like running out there thinking, thank God, hopefully he got us something good. He, Roy said there was a can of beets. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was like, this isn't a recent <laughs> lie. It's like, he was hoping for pizza yeah. or for something. Yeah. He gets on. a can of beets. Those bastards. Wow. Right. But uh, that happens up there. That's one of the... That's one of the things that keeps people out of Alaska. It's not, not going to be overpopulated hunting wise because of the logistics and the challenge, you know, and it's, it's so wild. Yeah. It's yeah. a, it's an adventure just yeah. to yeah. get out there. Like the planes you have to take, the, yeah, the, I mean, the routes, the time it takes yeah, to do all that stuff. Like it's high mountain adventure. And, and not to mention, if you don't live there, like you have a schedule, like I can only go for two weeks and I got to get back to work. Yeah. yeah. Or I got to get back to the real right. world. And then, you then know, you're stuck, you're for stuck there weeks. for three weeks. You're like, then you're fired. I'm going to get fired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. We, uh, I, I talked about this too. Roy and I, I think our first time out there, the pilot, we were in a little super cub or something like that. So he brought the last load or the last one of us, I think we had to take multiple trips, but he's like, what day do you guys want to come out? And uh, he was like writing it in pen on his pants. So that was his. That's how he's keeping track of when to pick us up and where. It's like, oh, are you going to wash those pants? Or are, you, <laughs> are we good with this? Is that all we got? But yeah, it's, uh, that, but that's the allure of Alaska. It's still wild and yeah. different, yeah. Even, even like that, even that part of it, let alone the animals in the country and the expanse. But that's the draw. That it's was a, like the weirdest thing for me is like when you, when you fly over, right? And the, the planes, you're on like that last leg of the trip. The, even when you see wilderness these days, there's still traces of humans. Mm -hmm. um, but when you're flying over the water, there's no oil rigs. There's no power line. There, it, It's just wild. And I yeah. that was the first time ever I've seen that in the extent of what it was of just miles and miles and miles of just nothing. And then you yeah. get into those valleys and you sit there like, man, this is is God's country here, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. Well, it feels like you're on a different planet, which is one of the allures to it. But like, it's dangerous, man. Like yeah. what, there was a, an army guy that was killed oh, last yeah. week, this I think. Yeah, yeah, like he was, yeah. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was on a training op and he was killed out in Alaska. They were, all, they were on base and he was scouting for the next uh, land nav course that they were going to have for the guys. And him and another guy ran into a cave and there was, uh, you know, the oh, out a, a cub yeah. with her and, uh, she attacked him, killed him, then attacked the other one, injured him a little bit, and he was able to get away, but the other guy was dead, which... Damn, it sucks. Uh, it does, because especially, you know how it is, being like, this is the dumbest thing that I've always had an issue with, and, and I kind of understand, but I don't, is you got service members on a place like that, and we can't carry on base because it's, it's you know, against whatever law. Mm. And you have guys in Alaska, one of the most dangerous places in the world. Right. And they can't carry a gun in the wilderness when they're, you know, doing scouting or whatever it is that they're doing. And mm -hmm. this happens, then something needs to change. But yeah. yes, you're right. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a wilderness. And yeah, maybe and like, don't give them like, don't an AR. Just give them like an old, you know, 375 lever action. 500. Come on. Yeah. 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 Come on. yeah. yeah. Like a little 44 mag on the... On there the you, chest, go. you know, yeah, like something. Yeah. They, probably they probably hooked them up with bear spray, which... Uh, uh, 
would sow in a cub. No. Bear sprays, not going to do it. I mean, if, if she's really protective or really concerned about the cub. Especially in their yeah. den, run I imagine right, she's like, yeah. run right through bear spray. Well, yeah. you've, you've spent a lot of time in the wilderness, Cam. Have you had some shysty encounters? Yeah. I mean, up there, I, I was thinking about that. Um, you mentioned ways to die and of course this thing. But I had a the super tough guy we'd hunted down here in the lower 48 a lot. He went up and he filmed Roy and I. We were hunting brown bear with our bow up there and uh, in the Alaska range. And um, he w- stayed with us for uh, nine or 10 days or whatever. He's, he's like, this is, I've never been on a hunt where I thought I was going to die so many different ways. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's like snow, we were on snow machines, of course, the bear, you know, crossing rivers, being stuck in a cabin because his snow machine broke down. So <sighs> we said, stay here. We'll send somebody back later. Then he's by himself. And it's like, I think it was two or three days. Damn. And so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, then, then you get into the bear encounters and it reminded me of a yeah. good story. It's not my, I, I, Roy never told or wrote an article. He's a guy, like I said, who got me started bow hunting and, and he died in 2015 while hunting. But um, he, he uh, I would always tell his stories because he wouldn't. I'd write articles about him because he wouldn't. And he yeah. was just like, live these amaz- amazing adventures. Well, there's one, he called me right after this and he's like explaining what happened. Well, the dens, so in the spring, they actually, they dig their dens in on steep hills. Mm-hmm. And, then they go in and it's like a little hook and it's around the corner. So the wind doesn't blow into the den and they're kind of protected. Well, Roy was watching this up where we had been hunting. I wasn't there on this hunt, but he was watching this and he's like, saw a den, a bear had come out. Obviously you can see it's, you know, a dark spot. And uh, it's like, he could see the trails and see the trails. And he's like, what? I want to go up there and just, you know, I don't, they washed it for a couple of days. And he's like, I want to go uh, see what that den looks like. So climbed all the way up there, just had a shovel and making footholds and, Got all the way up there and it looked and it looked like the tracks, nothing was fresh. The bear had been going in and out and thought that just left and missed it. So you can probably anticipate where this story is going, but he, he said, I want to look in the den. Oh God. So he gets up there. Yeah. He's a flamethrower. I know. He gets up there and he's like looking and he can't see his eyes are kind of adjusting. And then he, he's like, looks over to the right and he says, there's eyes staring back at him. It's big boar. And this thing launched out and Roy went flying out and uh, he had the shovel and he jumped and it, there's a guy with him that had a 375 and he hit the guy in the face with the shovel. There's <laughs> blood all coming down and Roy goes sliding down the hill and the bear stops on the edge, the lip of the den and Jeremy, who he hit in the face with the shovel, he had that 375 and he just did from the hip, boom, and shot this, this bear as a 10 foot boar, folded it up like a duck, just went right to his shoulders and it went over Roy sliding down the hill. Oh my God. And, and was dead. And it was a giant boar. And he didn't know. What? Oh no, he uh, thought the Roy den, was still, like, the thought it was still was alive. Empty. No, no, he oh, knew. Okay. But he thought the den was empty. But yeah, all that happened crazy. And he, you actually have reception up there on the top of the mountain. He's like, dude. He goes, you, so anyway, that was, it's all about the story, right? Yeah. It's like, what are, is, are you living a life that, that where you can tell stories? Do you have a good story? You know, and that's, that's what Roy did all the time. Is, that was one of them, but a million of them. And we had so many bear stories from Prince of Wales. One time we were, we were blood trail on this black bear. Bear starts coming in the middle of the night. Uh, he, we thought the bear was going to be dead. Bear starts coming. Roy's behind me. He pushes me towards the bear and takes off. And so we both go back there. 
And it's like, it was a different bear. It wasn't a wounded bear. Some other bear coming in, coming in and I get back in there and I'm like, I go, dude, I said, did you push me to that bear? And, uh, cause it's just like a reaction. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you had the bow. <laughs> it was like so many, it's just, you never know how you're going to react and stuff yeah. like that. But being pushed in the back towards a bear, I'm like, okay, like and you can what, run. Yeah. <laughs> that's a survival instinct. Does some weird things sometimes. Uh, you know? it does. The, that, I did the same thing at Prince Wells. We were, well, not the same thing, but we were hunting for a uh, sick of deer. And, uh, or was it black? I can't remember. It was like a deer. I didn't remember, but we started climbing and dude, I remember seeing blueberries everywhere. And I was like, yeah. man, I was like, why do bears love doing this shit? So I like lay down and I'm like rolling everywhere and grabbing three over here and then grabbing three over here. And like, you could have got my, shot. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I saw some hunters on the other side. Yeah. I think I'm a black bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, you make a good mouth, you know, yeah. you good mouth. Yeah. Like they're in the mantle. So I, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, if they explain that, cause you'd be like, how could you shoot another hunter? You know, that's, <laughs> that's always the, like, how could you think that was a bear? It's like, well, that'd be easy to mistake. I mean, that, okay, who lays there and eats berries like a bear? Wearing clothes. Yeah. Because <laughs> so you've hunted probably most the entire world in the good hunting spots. Like, where, is there one specific place that you just, I know you're speaking about Alaska, but is there just one specific place that if, if you had, someone said you get one more hunting trip, oh, that's it, it. Yeah, it'd always be elk with my bow. I mean, that's just what I've, when I first started this whole journey bow hunting, um, it was to go after elk with a bow. And so that's been from 1989. That was my first kill was a, a spike bull with my bow. And that was always, you know, you always dreamed of, you'd see the guys then have like a, like a six point bull elk silhouette on their bell buckle. And it's like, you know, if they were an elk hunter and actually yeah. killed a big bull, they all, they were, you know, elevated like a, like sort of like a God, you know? And so that was always the goal is kill a big bull with your bow. So that'd be the one if I had to choose. I'd say you've, you've killed a few because I see your gym um, and all the elk in there, but <laughs> so many elk in there, Cam. I know. Is there like a specific place like, <laughs> like Montana, Utah, you know, Colorado, Cal Colorado California? I, just because, well, and it's, the bulls are the biggest on the San Carlos Indian Reservation, but not just because of that, but it's because of the connection, like, the, the people of the tribe, the, uh, um, that tribe is so, I don't know. I just love the people and I love the history down there. feels like magical elk country. Um, so I don't know. I, I think San Carlos Indian reservation for a lot of different reasons, but the big bulls are amazing. Cam, what was that, that spark for you that got you into archery hunting? Uh, it was just Roy telling me, you know, I love to hunt. I love to, I, it just felt like, I would just go out in the woods and I'd feel like, I've told this story before, but normally in everyday life, I was like at the bottom of the, I had nothing going for me. I was just drinking part-time job. No, didn't know anybody, but I felt like I was actually could be pretty good at something. If I was hunting, I felt like I was having success. And then bow hunting took that to another level. Then I was, all of a sudden I was getting some positive feedback because I killed a bull with my bow my first year. Yeah. yeah. And so then it was like this spark, like, you know, I've, I've felt like a loser for a long time. Now I feel like maybe not so much of a loser. And it just started that path and it, and that path gave me confidence. I would have success in the mounds and then that would translate to my regular life. And then I'd, you know, kill a couple of bulls and learn more about myself in the wilderness. Then I'd come back and I never put it all together, but people were listening to me more. It's like the guys kind of respected me. So I'll work they made me a lead because it's like, well, for whatever reason, the guys 
they'll listen to Cam. He can lead them, do whatever. But it's all part of that whole. Yeah. Bow hunting was the bit, the, the crux of that. I mean, that, that, that's a fair thing. I think that's a lot of the times that we have challenges in um, like reassimilating into civilian life after the military is finding that, that orientation of our energy and the purpose in mm-hmm. life that you truly need. And so oftentimes there's, there's like um, a how-to book written by people that aren't like you to tell you what you should do after service. And um, bow hunting is a good ex- like, ex- um, like example for you that, you know, not you, you found your thing. And mm-hmm. then the consequences of ha- finding that purpose and going to hunting developed you to be successful in right. every facet of your life. And I think more people need to go out and live life, go on a long run shoot a bow, go hiking, ride a mountain bike, just, just to find what it is. And mm-hmm. once it clicks, I mean, life will never be the same. And I look back on, you know, everybody told me not to be an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and I took the risk financially. Um, I, I risked a lot in my job. And what the outcome of that is to be able to sit in a room now and talk to epic people, epic friends. And none of that would have happened if you don't take a little bit of risk in life. And I think that you're a perfect example in the books you've written endure as well that just came out is an example of chasing life and living it and not just fucking existing. And, yeah. and I, I really uh, appreciate you for that. And I, I, I see how much you motivate people on social media. You'll never get me to fucking run over 10 miles at this point <laughs> in my life, but God bless you, buddy. Yeah, no, Walk them, but not run them. Yeah. I hear you. And that's, that's really the point to the book. The book isn't necessarily about bow hunting or better anything. It's just about um, finding that thing, you know, the passion, finding whatever moves you and just giving it all you got. And who knows where that leads? Like I said, it, it, you couldn't tell me in this, in the small logging community that I grew up in, it's like, oh, well, th- you could be a famous bow hunter and you could, you know, be on Black Rifle podcast and meet all these people. And it's like, no, there's no way that would seem realistic. But if all I did was just continue to do what I I loved, my passion at, the, mo- the highest level I could. And over time, that level increased. I changed as a person. And then here we are. But it's all, and I, I was, I saw this kid that was in San Diego before I did Jocko's podcast. And he was down there fishing on the, on, on the beach there. And I was wondering to myself, I wonder if, what if that kid somehow just, he loves fishing and maybe he was going to ride that passion to something amazing. And he could. And it's like, if you would have looked at me at that same stage of my life, you'd have seen me looking like, you know, n- definitely nothing special, some beat up truck that I wrecked because I was drunk or something. And you'd say, this guy's going nowhere. But you chase that passion, give it everything you got. And who knows? That's the point of the, to the book. I love it. I'm- well, it seems like too, you approach everything with this like unfathomable work ethic. Mm-hmm. And shout out to Tom Davin, our co-CEO, because he has this saying, and it always rings true to me. I think about it almost every day, but it's it's the way you do anything mm-hmm. or the way you do one thing is the way you do everything, yes, right? Exactly. And I look at you and what you're doing and like, dude, you just never stop. Like, mm-hmm. it's almost exhausting watching you <laughs> and, and the way that you go yeah. forward about stuff. But um, I I don't think people know that with all the running, all the hunting, all the preparation, like you're, you were also working a full-time job yeah. this yeah. whole time. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think people knew that you were doing that on top of it. And it goes so far to say how much work ethic has to do with success and your story in particular. Like, how are you doing all this? Like, what does it take to like put that amount of effort forward? Um, I don't know. To me, I, 
I just have never felt like I was naturally good at anything. So I just felt like, <laughs> no, I seriously, if, if I felt like if I didn't outwork everyone, yeah, I would, nobody would know who I was. So all I had to give, well, I didn't have intelligence, money, power, any of that. I'm like, well, I can work. I can work as many hours as you'll let me. So I worked at a warehouse and I'd just be like, I'm going to, I'd work sometimes 16 hours a day. It's like, this is all I can do. All I can do is throw work at it. So that mindset has carried over. That's all I know to do, really. That's the only outworking people more talented is the only reason I'm sitting here. Yeah. And uh, you reminded me of one of the greatest messages I got. Somebody, you know, trying to talk shit to me and said, said, what I'm doing is too much. I'm like, too much? For who? Yeah. For yeah. you? Yeah. yeah. For you? Yeah. So it's like, that's good. I'm I want sorry to be you guys doing, watching me on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be doing too much. <laughs> yeah. Because how, I mean, what's the, what's the downside to that? Yeah. You know? And so that's all I've, I've tried to ca- carry that mindset. Just throw work at it and see what happens. Yeah. Well, I think that's such a good message specifically for veterans coming out of the military and like trying to figure out that transition period because so much you're like, man, I focus so much energy into to being a soldier or a Marine or a sailor. And like, now I have to completely do something mm-hmm. to the 180 of that. And like, it, it's hard to like figure out what you're going to do. But like, if you have that mentality where like, I, it doesn't matter, like I'm going to figure it out eventually, mm-hmm. but having that mentality, like I'm going to wor- outwork everyone around right. me, like that will craft success. Yeah. And you're a perfect, like leading well, you, example of you that. Need, you need yeah. leaders in our community, I think too, as well, to that, that influence people to go out and do things. Because uh, a thing that I don't, think a lot of people realize is when you're in the military, life is so structured. Mm -hmm. You're told when to get up, you're told when to eat, you're told what to do, you're told when to go to sleep, and then you go get drunk and have fun, and then you're told when to wake up and go to PT. And it's this ever cycle of just the same repetition and not necessarily having to be solely responsible for what you're doing and the actions that you want to participate in. And then people get out and they don't have their platoon sergeant or squad leader to tell them what to do. And so for me, I love people that are actually living it and doing it because in that influence people like that to go like crush life because you see on social media and we all know the people that jog for five minutes and film themselves and post <laughs> yeah. it and say they crushed a run and they, they lie because they want to <laughs> project something. Hey, if that's their life and it makes them happy, God mm-hmm. bless you, do your thing. But it's nice to see people that actually live it. And, and, mm-hmm. and I respect people like that. And again, I'm just like, I'm just massaging Cam all today on the podcast. <laughs> it's, it's true. Yeah. And I think the world needs it, more of it. it and, and I know that there's a lot of military people you've inspired to like get out in the wilderness. And, I, and I'm thankful for that, for the support in our community, man. And dude, he does a great job at answering. Because I remember when I first started um, shooting my bow, which I was telling you the story a little while ago, um, Tyler over at Archery Country which mm-hmm. said hi. Um, when I first started shooting at his shop, he was like, you know who Cam Rain is? I was like, dude, I, I, I don't. And he goes, look him up. So I looked you up on Instagram. And I was like, oh, shit, this dude shoots, runs. I was like, I'll skip on the run, but shooting his bow, cool. Um, <laughs> You're missing a leg. Yeah. I think yeah, it's okay. Yeah. 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 Crispy. <laughs> and anyway, so like I started shooting and then like I would tag Cam on some videos here and there. And like he was so quick to respond. And like I was I'm nobody. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm looking at this guy that shoots professionally and does all these awesome hunts and shit. And I was like, Cool. And then for him to reply back, I was like, that's fucking awesome. And that's kind of what made me fall in love with the bow hunting community or the bow community was because of that welcoming open arms that you just, you were like, I don't care who you are. Um, do this or do that. Or you were like, good job or keep at it or whatever it was. 
and I was like, man, that's that's freaking cool. Like to have someone like that, and to touch on what Matt said, like I, that was around the time that I had gotten out of the military, mm-hmm. and I was freshly wounded, didn't know what I was doing. I was trying to figure things out, and I, you know, I was in my head a lot. Like we talked about earlier, and I even till today, I tell people like the strongest muscle that we have is our brain, mm-hmm. and once you let that wrap around all these negative things, you're done. You're not going to get out of it. And so I was trying to find different outlets to do different things. And I've always been afraid. I was afraid at the time to shoot my bow because obviously because on my hands, you know, I didn't mm-hmm. think I was going to be able to grip it. Right. And if I did, was I going to like cause some sort of accident and hurt myself or someone next to me? Um, and that's when the guys at Archer Country were like, dude, come in after hours. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't have to do this. So they had me come in after hours and I started shooting a kid's bow. Mm. At 30 pounds. Just to get the routine. Just to get yeah. comfortable with it and, and, you know, feel with the release and stuff and whatnot. Right. And so they had me there three nights in a row after mm-hmm. hours. And I went from 30 pounds to 40 pounds to 55 pounds. Then mm-hmm. I graduated and I said, I'm good. I want to go hunt. And a friend of mine called me. He goes, dude, I have uh, heard of bison that, that I need to, you know, to bring down a couple of numbers. And I'm like. I'm down. And he goes, cool. Oh, no. I have to shoot a bison <laughs> to make bison bow. My family so, is so awful. Yeah, <laughs> my, my first kill was with a kid's bow at 50 uh, pounds. Really? On a bison. And nice. clean pass through. And oh, then man. after that, I was hooked. And I've spent, I don't know how many hours at Archery Country, just like yeah. learning about arrows and, you know, just everything that I can get my, my mind wrapped around it. And it helped me a lot. Um, not in hunting, but also when we do these events with with the adapted athletes, which you need to come next year too, because yeah. it's awesome, man. I think you'll love it. But it helped me out a lot because at that moment it was I drew back and nothing else mattered. Mm-hmm. Everything else was gone. Not it, my injuries didn't matter. None of that yeah. crap. Like you know, you draw back on, on a deer or something, and all that shit goes away. Your problems, right. all the shit you're going through, that animal and your bow don't give a shit. Right. What's going on outside? It's you got to make that. Perfect, just great shot. Make sure it's ethical. And it just takes your mind off of everything. And I find it very therapeutical. And I freaking love doing it, man. And yeah, I've kind of got into that uh, that mentality of you when you wake up before you go to work, you're mm-hmm. in your backyard and you take a couple shoot, of shots. Yeah. I do the same thing. I get out, shoot a couple of arrows, make some coffee, and then I get the day yeah. started. Like it's I, just... I thought Cam had shots like whiskey. So I've been taking two shots in the morning. I couldn't keep <laughs> up. It's, it's with your bow. Yeah. Well, you right. did that beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Right. To be fair. It's just, it keeps my hands steady. Yeah. For, That's just for muscle memory for you, bro. <laughs> well, I, I have a confession to make. So you said that I answered you right back, you know, and got back to you and all that. So um, I don't do that with everybody, but I don't look at uh, you guys. To me, you guys are like on this other level. And so when you send me a message, it's like, you're somebody who I respect, you know, I because of what that. you've done to the country, this, for the country, the sacrifices you've made. So I'm not answering everybody back, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, 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 I'm answering it back just because I, I do. I got, uh, you know, I'm the odd one out sitting here. You guys have served our country and it's like, I'm indebted to that. So when I get a message and it's from you, you're going to get an answer for sure. But I, I look at, um, I don't feel like, yeah, I have some followers, but I feel like I'm just the guy who, who works hard. And you guys have actually done something worth celebrating. So um, I don't know. I can't, I can't tell you how much I appreciate the sacrifices you've made for our country. My son is in the army right now. And I, I feel the same about him because it's a different level. You can, you can make an impact on society. You can be a leader in your community. 
But if you haven't served your country, it's not the same in my my eyes. And I haven't. So I uh I really appreciate you guys. Well, I think, you know, sharing your experiences so that can be shared with our community, you know, is super yeah. great. And like we've been pretty big proponents of the whole archery thing over the last couple of years mm-hmm. here. And like you can see how like I love these things that bring us together. You know, yeah. and we can we can celebrate each other's life endeavors through a mutually shared experience. Mm-hmm. And like archery is so great because it ties back to everything that we were doing marksmanship wise right. in the military. And-, and yeah, yeah, your mm-hmm. shot your shooter's checklist, all that stuff. Right. But, and you know, it's it's primal. Like mm-hmm. you get back to like a stick and a, and a shooty stick. It's essentially yeah. like what it is at yeah. its basis level. But you're like, you're pretty predominantly in the archery space. Like what what is it about bows and arrows that like really draws you to it? Yeah, I, I mean, I haven't hunted with a rifle since I started bow hunting. So um, I've only been bow hunting since Shame 1989. <laughs> and I don't, have, I don't have any issues with it. Like when my kids were coming up, I started them with the rifle because I wanted them to have success and you know, right. we've, you go on some hard bow hunts, get your ass kicked. That's not how you want to introduce a kid to it. Cause the kid would yeah. be like, oh my God, this yeah. is terrible. I actually did that with Tanner. He was 14. He drew a spike bull tag. We drove from his football game on the coast all the way to the other side of the state of the mountain. No, no sleep. Hiked him all the way in there, pouring rain, November. And it was, I could see that would be a good way to make somebody hate hunting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, that's why I don't take like my wife to Alaska. Right. We go to like, yo, Texas hike exactly. and we're going to go walk around for two miles. Because, you know, it's killing, drive. Yeah. Yeah, killing an animal, regardless of where it is, there needs to be some, uh, to appreciate you have to do it. You don't know how you're going to react to it. There's got to be some reverence in the moment. It doesn't matter whether it's high fence or Alaska or whatever. When you're a new hunter, taking the life of something, of course, we do it every day with our checkbooks at the store, but actually the one with blood on your hands, that's a unique experience. And however you get the, the new hunter, a kid or, a, or like your wife involved and can expose them to the, that wide range of emotions, that's a win. And that's, it doesn't matter where it happens. You just got to, got to do it and learn from it. So I always like it because every, I usually take harvest one giant animal a year or whatever, probably a little more, but I give a lot of food away. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's when they like your barbecue. I know people talk about it all the time, but it's kind of fun because every time we're making burgers and people eat them like, what is this? And like, oh, this is like an eland or a bison that I shot. And right. it's, just, it's such a good conversational point. And then the health aspects of it and the whole nine. But um, I, I did want to touch on what Logan was saying because we do that veteran adaptive athlete shoot mm-hmm. and we just finished ours up this year. And it's cool because I think a lot of times when people look at veterans having issues and transitional issues and PTS or na- name the thing, it's not really individualized treatment. That's why I sit on multiple like nonprofit boards that are specifically oriented towards treating an individual, not a group, right? right. The okay. group mentality is great. Yeah. But they they tend to just blanket prescribe antidepressants and mm-hmm. all this other stuff. And I'm like, we probably could have fixed a lot of that if we just went out and bow hunt. And what I've been seeing over the last couple of years, even this year, there's people that have were kind of completely lost in life. And you see one of the guys couldn't even use his shoulder, pulls it back with his mouth. First time he's ever shot a bow. Hits the target from like 20 yards. He's like, <laughs> like you could just see this yeah. fire in his eyes. And he's oh. like, oh man, I, I think I want to get into bow hunting. And we're yeah. like, yes, do let's it. do yeah. it. Right. Oh, and that's, and, so and that, that's a life changing moment that yes. seems so simple to average people of like, what? You shot a fucking bow and arrow. Who cares? Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. different because you got to walk around with a bunch of other guys that society might deem that they're not as capable as someone with all their limbs. Like that bullshit wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of adapting to your injuries and making it better. Right. And then, you know, Crispy's story of 
how he started shooting. And now he's out there being a mentor to some of the younger yeah. guys. It's this evolving thing that we're trying to put together. And um, I'm just thankful for like all the people that participate. You know, Dud, Dudley comes out and helps us out. And it's just, it's freaking awesome. But yeah. All right, let's get into your book a little more. Why, so why did you write this one? This is, what, what book number is this for you? Three. Three, number three. Are you, are you stoked on this one? Um, Obviously you wrote it. <laughs> well, I, I, I wasn't like chomping at the bit to write a book. Um, Esther, who's my book agent, um, before I knew anything about it, she called and said she got my number, I think from Jim Shockey. And was talking to me and she's like always fired up talking. And so kind of sold me on the idea that maybe we could do it. Maybe it could help people. And uh, so that's, that's where it started. Um, the end result, I didn't, you know, it's been selling well, pre-sales and all that stuff. I didn't, I don't really care about any of that. What I care about is if it's impacting people. And to answer your question, it feels like, or the feedback I'm getting so far after day one People have read it already, listened to it already. And it's, it's the impact I was hoping for, a positive impact, making, maybe pulling back the curtain on some things. Maybe some people can look at things a little differently with through a different lens. And now that, that's what I wanted. It wasn't about, it wasn't about the money or it wasn't about, I need to talk about me more. I, I hate doing podcasts, actually. <laughs> I love talking to interesting people. I don't like when I'm supposed to be the interesting person. Right. <laughs> But, uh, but it's, I just want my story to be able to help people. So it feels like it's doing that. And, um, okay. The biggest question though, did you, or did you not read your audiobook? I did. Yes. Yeah. Sweet. How stupid did you feel reading that? <laughs> oh, man? It's terrible. I was reading my man and I'm like, <laughs> cause you have like, I don't know. I'll tell my experience. I want to hear yours, but like, you know, you're sitting in the booth for it's, it's an arduous process, right? You're just like four days, 12 hours a day. And you're like, you start to blur lines and I'd be reading stuff and adding thes and random words. They'd be like, and stop, Matt, that's the, not tree. I'm like, oh God, you know? And, and then you're trying to like tell a compelling story and put the emotion in the words that made you write that right. sentence. Yeah. yeah. And I had a very challenging time, especially on some of the stories, like, you know, my teammates passing and stuff. I'm like, oh, how do I say this with a revering tone? But right. then also like compel people to like, be in the moment. And so, so hard. What, what was yours like? It was miserable. I mean, I was, <laughs> I was, I was actually getting mad. They'd say, uh, you'll need to do that line again. You, and I was like pissed that they were making me do it again. I'm the <laughs> one who didn't say a word yeah. or who said it wrong. Or, and it's just like, I was like, this is terrible. It took me four days about what yeah. you're saying all day. I've never been more exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> I like the fact that you read it. Cause on the way here, um, actually yesterday, my buddy Lane called me and he's like, dude, his book's out on audio uh, or what is it? Auto, audio book audio or whatever. Book, yeah. And then he's like, have you downloaded it yet? I was like, no. He's like, and he sent me credits to get it. And then he sent it as a gift. So I downloaded oh. it on the way here. I was going to start listening to it, but then I got a text like, are you almost here? <laughs> and then, yeah. Yeah. It's always <laughs> weird when people download your, your book and audio because it, they essentially listen to your voice for I know. nine hours yeah. or whatever it right. is. You're like, sorry, I feel, I hate listening to my own voice. It's why I never listen to a podcast once it goes live. So. Yeah, no, I mean, you have, you have a radio voice, so you shouldn't hate it. But uh, <laughs> I, I was, the big thing for me, I mean, reading the book, I was like, when the author reads it, it was terrible work, but I was so thankful that Joe read his forward and Goggins read his afterward. Oh. And making, like, I have to do it. It's my book. I mean, I don't have to, but you're obligated. Those guys didn't have to, and yeah, they did. That's so right. they went oh, yeah. to a studio, 
Joe did it his, but Goggins went to a studio, scheduled the time, did the read, like, and, you know, reading out loud, I was like env- envisioning what he was going to sound like. Cause I always see him just like yelling, like, come on, pussy. Yeah. So, uh, but seriously, I was just so thankful that they took time out and also did that. Cause I think it helps the final product. You, I mean, the day that I write my book, I'm one, I'm going to read mine too. But I want, is there like an ESP you button? Spanish? Yeah, yeah like, there right. ESP, like <laughs> when I can't say it in English, is it, can you hit my it? My name is, like, hola, mi nombre uh, es. Is, <laughs> yeah. Will you write it in crayon too so that I can read it? Yeah. yeah. No, we're doing pictures for you guys. Ah, yeah, yeah, it's a picture book. A picture book. Yeah. Just for Marines. Yeah. Picture, yeah. picture coloring book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have some pretty cool pictures. The one, I don't know if you've ever seen this, Cam, it's of Crispy. Like, I, he's humble-ish. Um, at least the internet, not to me. I'm just kidding. But there's a picture of Omar and he is essentially tied down with his arms open because he's burnt everywhere in his entire body. Oh, yeah. And it's one of the most fucking gnarly foes I've ever seen because I was talking to him about it. And I'm like, they like pinned him down so he couldn't itch his skin. I'm like, oh, that miserable. is a prison on planet of get fucked. Like, oh, no, yeah. thank you. Yeah. So I, that's why when you're always like, oh, I get past my stuff. I'm like, people don't really realize. And I talk to say this about Chris sometimes, but like, Having certain injuries, like a gunshot, yeah, you get over it, but having burnt skin, oh. it never ends. And we were talking about in the podcast the other day, I think when Tim was here, but oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's inspiring to say the least. So you need to write a book is my yeah, point because I want to read do. that son bitch. You Maybe. Do. Maybe. I'll help yeah. you. Okay. Done. Yeah. Not Logan though. He, he's a Marine. He's not all right. Not a lot of life to live. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your story definitely needs to be told and worth telling and I think could, could inspire a lot of people. No, I appreciate that. Well, Cam, uh, I want to say thank you so much for coming on. Congratulations for your book. Um, I'm sure you can purchase Endure anywhere books are sold. Yes. Um, if you're out there listening, we're going to drop this soon. If you buy a book at a local bookstore, it's uh, it's better for the artist. Uh, I will say that because you probably don't want to, but yeah. you want the story out there. Um, I know you have a very compelling story. I'm really excited to... I'll probably listen to this because I, I like listening to books on the drive. So... Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Uh, congratulations and keep crushing it. You're an inspiration to all of us. We love watching what you're doing. Um, and if we can ever support, please let us know. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And when um, can we go hunting together? That's why. Yeah, I, I know. We did, I'm we getting into it. Come on. Bear, yeah, yeah. Up, at, up at Rivets Bear Camp would be let's, pretty fun. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. I'll carry the bear out and you, Cam. Like, let's go. Mm. <laughs> I like it. Thanks for the opportunity, guys. You guys are, like I said, another level, something I look up to and aspire to be like. Um, and I just. I just really appreciate this time. Awesome. Go out there and buy Endure. That concludes today's training. Any questions? Woo! Drum titties, boy!